Welcome to the Audiences Podcast, the show that helps you discover new audiences and learn how to develop your own. I'm your host, Francesco Dorazio, founder and CEO of Pulsar, an audience intelligence platform for researchers, marketeers, and PR professionals who like to put audiences at the core of everything they do. And I'm Sal Morton, producer of the Audiences Podcast and person in charge of keeping us all on track. So what's the podcast about, friend? So every episode focuses on a cultural trend, an idea, a brand, or a new emerging behavior, and ask our expert guest three simple questions about it. Who's the audience of the thing? How has that audience evolved over the past few years? And where is it going next? So, friend, what are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about the audience of Snapchat, and joining us is Leah Karam from Behave, and uh, we've been discussing what's going on with the platform. Are you a Snapchat user? Fran, I was on Snapchat when it started because I was at school when it started. So what? yeah, I think, yeah, I know, I know. So that's, it was 2011 when it started, wasn't it? it, it yeah, it did. When were you in school, actually? It was 2011. 2011. All right, we don't age check me, but I finished school in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've been there from the yeah. very beginning. Well, the reason why we're talking about Snapchat today uh, is because... Um, the platform has been growing massively last year. So they've seen some really good momentum in terms of growth and engagement. They rose to about 414 million daily active users in Q4 2023, which is a 10% increase year on year. And it doesn't really happen that often to platforms that have been on the market for such a long time. Um, and what's interesting is also that the growth came from countries where traditionally Snapchat hasn't been growing much before. Uh, so that's really exciting news as new geographies are kind of being um, unlocked, uh, which is quite interesting. So we see growth from India, we see growth from Saudi Arabia, for example, and it would be quite interesting to understand the dynamics of that growth there. And in terms of like user engagement, Snapchat is also saying that the time that has been spent watching, for example, their spotlight feed increased more than 175% year on year, which is massive, you know, for any new thing that is released on a platform like Snapchat or for any existing functionality that picks up so much engagement. So some really, really good numbers there, some good engagement and some momentum. And that's all been framed by the newly released brand campaign that I found was brilliant that uh, Snapchat is basically using to reframe itself as the antidote to social media. But if you really think about it, Snapchat has always been about being the antidote to social media. So they're repositioning themselves in a way as going back to the real roots of the company as the product that wanted to disrupt social media by providing a semi-private platform for meaningful human connection as opposed to the public social media uh, type of paradigm that um, was common when they launched. So a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. Shall we dive into it? Let's do it. Joining me today is Leah Karam, Consulting Director at Behave, which is a behavioral consultancy that helps companies achieve sustainable growth by truly understanding people. Welcome to Audiences, Leah, and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Francesco. Really happy to be here for a very exciting topic. So uh, speaking about Behave, you know, generally, I think we're in a position that's 
also very, very exciting because I think more than ever, a lot of brands want to really understand consumer behavior and look at the different factors and, you know, human variables that affect, you know, who we are and how we interact on a day-to-day. Um, so we're seeing a lot of growth within sectors like um, CPG, financial services, for instance, uh, travel tech. Uh, we're seeing a lot of growth as well when it comes to entertainment. So really any sector that wants to foster stronger connections with people, you know, in an ecosystem that's a bit um, kind of very heavy in terms of maybe undesirable emotions. We're trying to make sure that different brands connect in a better way with people. So that's Behave. Um, I guess, yeah, me as a person, uh, obviously developing the, the marketing consultancy, making sure that we develop a lot of new ways uh, for effectiveness within the industry, uh, making sure that we work with purposely with clients. We choose the clients that we work with because we only work with clients that align with you know our, our positioning and that align with how we see the world moving and growing. So that's kind of where we're at. And um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to the next few years because it's going to be a time of learning for our industry. And I'm very happy to be as part of that shift at the moment. So for our listeners who might not be familiar with what a behavioral consultancy is, what's the difference between a behavioral consultancy, what Behave does, and a traditional marketing consultancy? Like what does Behave do differently that classes it as a behavioral agency. Yeah. I think if you look at it from, for example, an economics point of view, right, we all know uh, the classical economic theory versus the behavioral economic theory. The classical theory is anyone, any human wants to literally increase their material gains. The behavioral economics is all about acknowledging that there are behavior, behavioral and psychological factors behind that. And that's just, the, that's not the main goal. Because if something affects your ego, if something is quite driven, is driven by a lot of emotions, if something means that you have to compromise on a different thing, you're not going to go and want to maximize your gains, material gains. You're going to want to go and do something else. So an example, for instance, is the, the ultimatum game where it was proved over time, especially if you look at it now from a digital ecosystem, that people would rather not take 20% of what someone offers them because the other person has the rest of the 80%, then take it. So the judge will have no gains than an actual small gain. And that's the same with a marketing consultancy and a behavioral consultancy, because we look at true drivers of behavior. We look at behavioral segmentation, for instance. We don't look at just sociodemographic segmentation. So that's the difference. We acknowledge that King Charles and Ozzy Osbourne are different, for instance, although they've got the same age, same gender, they're part of the same mosaic group for any strategists out there. They literally have the same sociodemographic profile. They're just very different behaviorally. You can't speak to them the same way. So that's kind of the, the difference. We take into account human factors to really predict behavior and not fall short based on broader factors. Sounds like a no-brainer, basically. Exactly. I mean, who doesn't want to understand consumer behavior, right? From experts in consumer behaviors. That's why it's growing a lot. And we're very excited for that because... You know, it's, 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 it's exactly, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. We're in a great uh, position at the moment. And how, how does this work apply to Snap? Talk us about the, so, the work that you guys are doing with Snapchat. Of course, I just want to specify here, obviously, throughout the podcast that I'm not speaking on behalf of Snap. I'm speaking as a behavioral expert that, that obviously worked with the big tech and entertainment and really understands the market and dissects and researches the market. Uh, with Snap specifically, I think 
the, the, the beauty of, of working with them is the fact that we align so well on how we see the social ecosystem moving, the digital ecosystem moving forward, or where we actually spotted different challenges within the industry that are quite aligned with each other. So working with Snap, just in a nutshell, and to summarize that, because I could, you know me, Fran, I could just speak, speak, speak. But I think the uh, working with them is kind of helping them in finding those communities and growing those communities in a way that resonates with their, their new proposition. So what they actually found, the fact that the social media ecosystem is you know, very heavy at the moment, is filled with echo chambers, with filter bubbles, and Snap was created to be an antidote to that. It was created to challenge traditional social media. And I found that insight about you know, two years ago, not specifically to Snap, but in general, in terms of social media, there's a huge tension from a behavioral point of view that was happening. So when we connected with Snap and when my behavioral insights kind of were fit with what their core, you know, that's the strength of it, their core in the market, uh, I wanted to help them in kind of making sure to grow that because I agree, I agree with it. So we're working on an audience piece to actually dive into different communities and reinforce meaningful connections you mentioned meaningful connections. So making sure that we speak to them to add value to them and making sure that we actually develop the, the, the platform in a way that you know, doesn't, doesn't uh, fall short in terms of what other social media platforms are falling short on, which is this inaccessible factor, those, 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 uh, those edited pictures. No, that's not the point of Snapchat. So that's why it works really well with a behavioral consultancy because it's quite authentic. It's quite human. It spots where humans fall short. So we're trying to help them in making sure that they actually grow their core. Now that's their, their strategy, that's their research, that's what they spotted. Now we're here to support the growth of, of, of the, the audience and not really like, yeah, and, and not really sway away from, uh, yeah, from their core and their, their purpose, which they're not obviously. So let, let's talk about that 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 um, kind of like reaffirming the original kind of like identity of Snap, which is mm-hmm. today has been framed um, as a repositioning, but really is about in the latest campaign is about reminding people why Snapchat was created in 2011. As it was almost back in the day, it was already almost an antidote to public social media and the way social media was affecting human behavior. Uh, you could already see the, the the kind of like the DNA of of what is being discussed today as a as a repositioning is actually what the app has always been about. So how is that campaign? Um, how is that campaign going? What's been the feedback to that campaign? Because I've seen really positive reviews of it. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's. I think it's going obviously really well. We obviously started working with them after they came up with that positioning because. Basically, they obviously were were uh, they were all, like you said, you know. The, once they launched, they were always the, the, the antidote. So, what is great about them is that they always stay true to themselves. They didn't really try to be something they're not. They didn't try to do that, and that's why it worked so well. They they literally stayed true to their core. So it's natural for me, and I was not obviously surprised when that you know brand proposition came to life. And I think I think when when you think about it and you actually see it from our point of view, we could have easily, as you know, behaved, gone back and said, "Oh, you know what? No, this is not this is not going to work." Our insights say something different. I was so amazed on how our insights say something similar, literally similar. It literally validated that not just from things that obviously we saw two years ago, 
but things that we're seeing now and future trends. So my opinion is this is going to, going to work really well. And I'm sure they're already seeing great results. I'm sure we're going to, it's not, it's, it, the thing is when you think about Snapchat, when a lot of people think about Snapchat, they think about, you know, their demographic is obviously quite young. Uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's an app for like younger people that chat on the app, et cetera. But actually, when you ask another sample, what do you think about Snapchat? There's actually people that see it as, hey, you know what? It's a way to learn more about augmented reality. It's a way to look at something new and be immersed in that. And Snap was really good at investing in technology and being avant-gardiste in that, for instance. So they've got many factors that make it that they built this strong base over the past few years that they're able to kind of speak about it now and have the, the product and the promise behind it. No, I, I think I, the, the reason why I, I'm a big fan of Snapchat is because they've been ahead of the curve in many ways, but there's two exactly. ways that they've been particularly ahead of the curve. They launched private social media at a time where everybody was chasing likes and yep. uh, public personas, and then they introduced the, the whole kind of like VR and AR playbook in mm -hmm. uh, in um in the social media space before anybody else even got close yeah. to the idea yeah. of anything remotely like that. So I'm really kind of like, um, I'm really happy that, that the audience is kind of like behind them again. But let's talk about the audience um, for um, uh, for a second. What is the audience of Snapchat like today? What does it look like in terms of uh, demographics, cultural profile, the type of personas if you have them? the geographic distribution, just seeing the growth in this like new geographies for social media for a Western company to be mm -hmm. big yeah, or big in Saudi Arabia. That's super interesting. Uh, some key behaviors. What can you tell us about their audience? Yeah, of course. I mean, again, when you look at their audience and the, and the core of their audience, you would think, hey, you know what? They speak to, you know, 13 to 24 year old, which is true. They reach them, which is a really good thing. Because they've got those young people on the platform and they can smoothly guide brands through their transition and their life stage transition. This is a big strength. So it's a huge strength in the market at the moment. But also, don't be surprised, 40% or 45% actually of their users in the UK are above 25, meaning that those people on our, are on Snapchat for a reason. And looking further into the research, one of the reasons they're actually on the platform is obviously for the, the lenses, the creativity, connecting with families, connecting with their friends abroad, uh, creating better connections through keep, keeping up with uh, uh, streaks, for example. But also another reason is there, there is a huge increase after 25 in interacting with brands and products on Snapchat because it's a personal ecosystem. So again, the audience is more diverse than anyone might think. What I think about Snapchat, when I think about Snapchat, I think about the fact that the audience is more loyal. So even when you look at Snapchat users and you look at their relationships and their perception of Instagram versus Snapchat versus uh, TikTok versus versus, you look, you see an, a huge increase when it comes to happiness and affinity on Snapchat compared to other platforms because it's them. It's their authentic self. It's their authentic persona, as you said. So that's a huge thing that the... the a snap persona is also obviously very demographic based, but it's also very psychographic based. It takes a certain type of person to want to be them to want to be themselves frequently. Um, another great insight that we saw with that uh, that audience is the fact that they interact a lot with each other, and that's very different compared to other platforms. On Sunday nights, so Sunday at, at eight p.m. is a major peak every week. That's because usually behaviorally 
that time is a time of built up pressure before the week starts. It's a time of being a bit kind of a, a bit worried about what's to come, you know, behaviorally, it's a very emotionally heavy time. So this is a time where they want to go back to their tight groups. They want to communicate about that. They want to connect with each other. So basically we see a lot of emotional engagement that then drives demand. And that's the beauty of it because it's anchored in people's behaviors instead of forcing people's behaviors. Obviously, you mentioned uh, ge geographies. I think AR had a big role to play from what I see and investigate in, in those markets because it created a new thing, anything new, anything exciting, creates demand. And more often than not, emerging markets adopt something after um, the, the, the kind of the, for the UK or the US, for instance. So it's really interesting because now there's like a huge adoption. That's why it's growth. They're growth markets, you know, they're becoming mature markets, but they're growth markets. And that's the reason the user base is 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 also growing. And I think advertisers are excited about that, again, from my point of view. Um, so there are a lot of different tensions that make it that, you know, a lot of people want to, from the decision makers in the industry to, to the audience, want to explore Snap and then, yeah, go, go within a very personal and, and interesting ecosystem. So do you think do you think Snapshot connects with uh, these different geographies in the same way? As in, is the same is it the same proposition that gets valued in these geographies, or is Snapshot in India uh, connecting with the audience for one reason, and Snapshot in Saudi Arabia connecting with the audience for a different reason? Is there any trend? Um, I think obviously with any brand, there's always some cultural nuances there because if you also think about Hobbes' dimensions, for instance, like there are societies that are more collectivistic versus other that are more individualistic. There are different tensions within a certain market. But in my opinion, from what I've been seeing, for instance, if you look at France, they're heavy, they're very heavy on chats. Even the older bracket is very heavy on chatting on Snapchat. They're different to the UK. So France and the UK are different. There, there are always nuances. So obviously India and the UK will be quite different. India and France will be quite different. Um, India, we shouldn't forget that TikTok was banned in India. That doesn't mean that Snap and TikTok are, are similar. They can't be any more different. They're very different. TikTok is pure social media. Snapchat is not social media. But that means that there's a, 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 a like less of a platform to use. So also that obviously has affected and, and drove that growth, especially if with spotlights, for instance, if that has grown. Um, so there are always, always some nuances. And I think what Snap is really good at, they've got a team of very like talented people that's able to spot those changes and that's able to, and, and that's what I always say. It's not even, you know, when you talk about marketing in general, it's not a push strategy. It's a pull strategy. It's a reflection of the audience behavior and then offering them value instead of creating a, a new audience behavior. It listens and it understands and it creates value accordingly. But yeah, there are definitely cultural nuances in Saudi, for instance, I, I think, I don't know, I assume that, you know, QR codes might be quite heavy. Uh, it might be very, like, fa family-focused as well. Um, that's very different than, than, the, than in the UK, for instance, where that could, could also be, like, empowered further. But, yeah, there are different nuances that sit there. But we're going to see, I guess, over time, the different changes. But I'm really excited to for, for those kind of cross-cultural insights to, uh, to come to life. This episode is sponsored by Pulsar. What is Pulsar? Pulsar uses AI to analyze live data from the web and the media to help you understand people at scale and with nuance. We're talking about social media like X, Instagram, Reddit, Pinterest, YouTube, as well as search data and any media from TV and radio to print news and podcasts. And of course, you can bring your own audience data like NPR or CRM to analyze alongside everything else. 
Brands like Amazon, agencies like McCann, media outlets like The Guardian and organizations like the UN use Pulsar to understand their audiences and create products and messages that matter to them. If you'd like to get a live signal from your audience, get in touch at pulsarplatform.com. One of the things that uh, seems to be in um, in, in a Snapchat's wheelhouse is the is the idea that it offers this like you know ten years ago this was called like second screen behavior the idea that you would go to social media platforms talk about some kind of event that you were like consuming on a traditional media platform and kind of like Snapchat seems to have like um, boosted that type of engagement to a multimedia level that was confined to text before in terms of second yeah. screens. And he's made it interactive as in like a lot more like live multimedia rich conversations with people commenting on events that are happening uh, mm-hmm. with your community. And um, if I look at the latest studies on um, what people, for example, use traditional uh, broadcast for uh, these days, the, the latest study that I've seen on that shows that 95%, I believe, of um, events that people kind of like connect to traditional broadcast for live are sports events. Mm-hmm. So is that sports focus big for Snapchat as well? Um, or is it generally any event that Snapchat is used as a, as a sounding board for your community? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, sports is is huge uh, for Snapchat. Uh, that's not just because sports is obviously a, a huge affinity in general. It's because, you know, like you said, Snap is uh, a, another another way to interact with that event. Because why would you want to interact with a certain event or a post-event engagement with people you don't really know? Why would you want to be in a certain echo chamber with UGC content when you can't really interact? So Snap is definitely, 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 and has to, you know, focus on sports. It is focusing on sports and it will. And I think it's going to be one of the most effective mediums to do that because it's very immersive. You could do it in many interesting and creative ways compared to the past where it was quite static. You can communicate with people you like and your friends and people within that community to enjoy that. So again, that's also the beauty of the platform in itself. You can use humor, for instance. You could use different ways to communicate that, you know, via via chat, for instance. You could also explore on the discovery page the events that are happening. So there are many different ways that Snap, as a platform, is able, Snapshot, obviously, is able to connect with those those people and grow the actual um, like affinity. But yeah, sports is a huge focus. But I think it doesn't stop there, obviously, because... What we see on Snap is the post-event engagement peak. We see a lot of people compared to other platforms go on the platform to keep the event going. So it doesn't stop after a football match. It doesn't stop after the Grammys. It doesn't stop after, after. So, and that's, uh, that's very unique in itself is that it's the only platform that can provide that with friends. So it's, and again, you know, you know, friend, a very interesting insight. I think I, I, I saw and I heard recently is the most searched word in 2023 with the rise of AI and everything was authentic. The word was authentic. That's because whenever something extreme yeah. happens, the opposite happens. People keep searching, is that AI? Is that text AI? Is that picture AI? Is that made by AI? So what's happening with Snapchat at, at the moment is a bit of that same phenomenon where, okay, like there's too many echo chambers there are too many people I don't know on different platforms. Can I connect again with my friends or my community or people that are you know real? Um, and so, yeah, sports is all about being real. Music is all about being real. 
those ecosystems are all about being real. So there's a great, great, great appeal to use snapshots as a second screen. Yeah, and it, and it seems like it's the perfect time for the semi-public um, yeah. experience of digital platforms, which is what Snapshot excels at. Yeah. Um, let, let's talk about how has the audience that we see today changed compared to what it was before. Obviously, yes. the, new, the new growth that we're seeing, there's obviously geographical changes to the user base. Yeah. But what, what, like if you, let's start from describing like the types of people that get into Snapchat, like the, the, the most common assumption is that young people, fine, <laughs> we get that. But then also these young people are growing up and as you say, they're staying loyal because it's a big brand kind of like loyalty going on because of the differentiation of the platform compared to other solutions. But like what types of people get on Snapchat? Is it like tech people? Is it fashion people? Is it uh, foodies? Is it mm-hmm. sports people? Okay, I mean, I've, you 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 uh, you hit the jackpot on one of those because basically, when you look at behavioral segmentation, what the two variables that actually are affecting that are the frequency of using Snap and the amount of connections on Snap. So essentially, when you turn twenty five, there could be that one friend on the platform that keeps you there, but you don't become a daily active user anymore. You are a weekly active user or monthly active user, for instance, if you don't use the streets again as a caveat, because that's a great you know reward to kind of stay on the platform. But a lot of people, when they turn twenty five, it's really interesting to look at the change and see how brands focus they are, product focus they are, because they trust the brands on there because already took their digital ecosystem, and that's a you know a very interesting insight. But then when you look at that and you look at the life stage transition, you also see a community called habit-based loyalists. Uh-huh. They, they already have that habit of going on the app and staying on the app and having their, like a lot of connections there. They don't engage that much, but they connect with their friends. You know, so it's kind of they don't post that much, but they, they message a lot. Then you have another community called the, the, the techies, so I'm, I'm part of those people, you know, I never really deleted snaps. I, w- I was always on snap because I was always interested about, you know, their changes and what was happening within the platform and the different, you know, the, the lenses, their, their AR activity outside of the platforms as well. So uh, their AR activities outside of the platform. So I think there are different communities there. And another community that is there are called, and, and, and I call them in, engaged creators. Now, Creators are not your typical creators that can that create filtered based, um, a bit like a bit fake content. They're your authentic people that have a, a voice on, on there and can share shows, for instance. They tell you, they tell their opinions to a tight community, for instance, in music. Um, so we don't see that on other platforms, you know. So it's kind of really interesting to look at the the, the tensions and see that actually you might have your habit based loyalist. But within that, you've got your community explorer, you've got your, your techies, you've got your engaged creators that want to, you know, put a show on the platform to get engagement from it. So just it's a word of opportunity at, at the moment. And I'm not seeing that with any other platform. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting to see that uh, that uh, that change and their type of audience at the moment. So what 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 has the strategy been to um, get the audience to, to where it is today? Um, from a from a company perspective, what uh, what is Snap aimed for? Um, I think th- they were really bold. To be honest, they were really really courageous because you know to create great customer experience, you need great employee experience. You know you can't take risks and 
do something, you know, take a des- that bold decision and challenge the market and do all of this without a, a team that can carry that and like a leadership team that encourages people to, you know, like share their ideas and then have a, a, have a like a, a line, you know, a line on a strategy to move that forward. So from, again, from my point of view um, and kind of seeing it and seeing how it's, it's, it's working, it takes a lot of guts to do that. So it definitely took a team and a leadership team to drive that because that's very rare. Secondly, when you, we talk about, let's say, product, marketing, creator strategy and all of that, I think a main point to remember also from a behavioral point of view is that, again, they stayed authentic to themselves. They never changed what they're at. Even when people were saying, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, you know what, it's not for me, et cetera, et cetera. They were like, okay, but this actual snapshot is they love us. You know, we have that base. We have Gen Z, for ex- Gen Z, for example, that that is growing up with us. So why are, why are we going to change? And any other platform would have done, or any other leadership team, for instance, would have decided to do something else, but or not. You know, but the the thing is, in reality, what's happening and what happened is, you had people behind it potentially that were very courageous and were very and believed. And we're very long-term, long-term thinkers and believed in the positioning of Snap and believed in where it could go to and believed the fact that it was disrupting traditional social media and they, and they stayed like that. They weren't influenced by the growth of those, of those new platforms with a lot of UGC content and, and double downing on this and getting a lot of creators because I don't see it as a creator strategy per se. Because a creative strategy would be getting people to film something, edit something, and post something. That's not the case. It's a new age creator. It's a relevant creator. So I think authenticity is a main theme that made it that the fact that 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 Snapchat did really, really well. And they can imprint themselves as having that core. They're very authentic. They stay true to themselves. And, and I think the fact that, you know, there was a vision potentially internally that made it that they 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 believed in this and they were never something they were not because that that would have not led them to be able to you know say and and scream you know the fact that they're not like social media today yeah and i think that 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 kind of like um private public um hybrid that they that they've kind of like pioneered is at the is at the core of that um, i mean authenticity and and you know i've seen this stuff that is quite interesting like snapchat is ranked as the number one happiest platform yes, like, yes. what like obviously authenticity leads to that but like what uh what does it mean the happiest platform like what, I what think, does the point tell us i think i think the most and also i get from a behavioral perspective the most authentic conversations and the most you don't really know someone outside of their group chat right they're their most authentic selves in their group chat snapchat is a is a is a is a controlled group chat basically, which is great for brands because the signals on the app are an actual reflection of the people within the app. So, exactly like you said, so public social media is growing. You know, we see the growth. I don't know of platforms like Be Real, for instance. We see closed circles, for instance. We see Finstas. I don't know. We see we see that trend. But now, as a platform, Snapchat pioneered that. You know, and as a platform, Snapchat created that kind of positioning meaning that if you go to a certain app and you're exposed to to content for example with an, an echo chamber and filter bubble you don't really control what you see you know you don't really make the intention to go on the app is there 
you know, but you don't really control the flow of information and it can bias you a lot or it can give you, I mean, a funny example is I saw a lot of content uh, during the, the, the start of the winter around spiders in the UK. And I was like, okay, I'm going to keep seeing that because like, how, what do they look like? Why are there so many spiders? And I'm not that scared of spiders. I was just like, why do I have a flow of spider content on a certain app? That's because obviously the algorithm learns from, from engagement and from fear-based factors sometimes as well, you know, very, very sadly. So it just gave me like spider-based content so frequently. Another friend had a flow of Enrique Iglesias singing very badly on her, on, on, on her, on, on her app. So again, you don't really decide the type of content that you, that you want to look at because everything at the moment has gone to an extreme. It's very algorithmic based. So with Snap, that's the, the antidote to that. Again, you know, after, after it was launched in 2011, even now in 2024, it's still the antidote to that. That's why it's the only happy place. It's the only place where people can then connect with what they want to connect with, who they want to connect with, the communities they want to connect with. That's why it's one of the happiest places, the personal ecosystem. So, and, and, and like, obviously, the, the one interesting aspect of this, though, is that Spotlight has been growing massively in terms of, uh, in terms of consumption, now yeah. reaching about like 400 million Snapchatters every month. Um, obviously, Spotlight does use um, algorithmic curation to yeah. show you content that is interesting to you. What are they doing differently in there? And why, why is it doing so well? Why is it growing so much? So the way I mention this and talk, talk about this when I study this is literally all about balance. So it's always about bal a balance between the journey of discovery and content curation. Now, a platform that's able to ace the, that balance, and, and obviously I, I spoke about it when I spoke about Snapchat. Before working with Snapchat, I mentioned Snapchat. The platform that's able to balance that, okay, you know what? They give you the choice to do this or that is a platform that wins because as humans, we want a choice. So I think sometimes it's great to have that because then it gives you content that you value and content that you might enjoy. But once it gets to a certain extreme, you don't want that anymore and you associate the platform with this. So again, Snapchat has the right balance between providing this because you know it's the new age world, but also providing this person ecosystem where you can relax a bit more. So I think yeah. what they ace is the, the balance behind the platform. That, that's quite interesting, that balance. And obviously on the creator side, we, we discussed how authentic that kind of content is and how different yeah. it is from the type of content that is on the more public uh, platforms. But mm -hmm. there's also a bunch of shows that Snapchat has been introducing. So um, that, that's been, in the past, there's been a portion of originals, but now there's different kinds of shows that are coming onto the platform. Yeah. Do you have view on that and how that content is selected and what is the strategy there i think you know like at the end of the day what snapchat does is it reflects true behavior you know it reflects the signals that it gets from the community it doesn't force something on them it doesn't say hey you have to enjoy this it says oh okay you know what we know you might enjoy this so here's some content so at, at the moment i know that um that, that obviously they're creating like some content on platform with channel four, et cetera, because it gives you some sort of like, you know, long and shorter form content on platform. I think obviously it's still, it's still, uh, it's, it's still something that's obviously in, in discussion in terms of the effectiveness of it. I'm sure there are ama amazing results because I saw, I saw amazing results. So I can't really comment on the immediate impact of that because we still had the likes of YouTube, et cetera you know, when it comes to shows and, and launching that. But I think from from like the kind of short-term effect of that and what we're seeing is 
you've got a certain generation on the platform that's growing up with certain shows. Uh, could it be, you know, on, on Channel 4, on ITV, etc. And those people want a continua continuation of that in a certain platform, but in a certain platform that doesn't edit the content or forces the content or... And again, Snapchat, because it doesn't replicate stuff, it creates stuff, but it also creates stuff that resonates with people. I think it's going to have a big role in creating content that, that's, again, more authentic and more real and more relatable because it scores really high on being relatable as a platform and people want that. Um, and the final point I want to make on this is we talk a lot about the, the paradox of choice, the fact that there's too much content out there. You know, mm -hmm. what am I going to watch on Netflix, what am I going to watch here? There is just too much content. I think a way that people and the younger people as well are adopting shortcuts is by going to their preferred platforms and seeing something that might resonate with them. They can then interact with it with their friends and all of that. So Snapchat is kind of, it's that shortcut. So initially looking at that behavior is really interesting because there's too much out there, but actually they still decide to go on what's on, on, on Snapshot. And I think that's a very interesting insight in itself with everything that's out there. There's a paradox of choice. So you go with something that's relatable and familiar, that's easy to communicate about, you know, with your friends and family. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the results just yet, but obviously I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're going to be great. It sounds like, it sounds like, the, the current momentum of uh, a snapshot is a result of just being the right ecosystem for the zeitgeist that we're in now. And, and yeah, it's kind of like right at the nexus of the intersection of a bunch of like challenges and, and tensions that exist today, like a crowded ecosystem of different apps, mm -hmm. uh, things that have lost uh, meaning to specific communities, a lot of noise, something that is like disconnected to your everyday life experience. Snapchat seems to be the solution to a lot of these problems. Where do you see that audience going next? Obviously, it's, um, you know, Snapchat is still winning for the younger audiences. Their audience is growing up. Um, how do you see, given that, you know, where the ecosystem is moving in terms of privacy and in terms of content availability, in yeah. terms of the professionalization of content, the creator economy, what's going to happen to Snap and Snap's audiences in the next five years? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting because I'm going to build this up from the point that you mentioned around crowded ecosystems, you know, eco chambers, filter bubbles, less meaningful relationships. And that means that a platform like Snapchat is finding uh, love, you know, because people want that love. So how I'm seeing it is the fact that this ecosystem is happening at the moment and people are rejecting that. Obviously, Snapchat is, is stepping in as being that platform. But that also means that when you look at, at the future and you look at where it's going, because we're talking about something that's happening now and something that's obviously like very powerful now, there is a big, big shift that, that, that is going to happen because we're seeing a, a lot of changes in the way that people want to share their data and the way that people want to actually communicate with creators, with influencers, with brands. Um, so yeah, so the way I see it happening is at the moment, there is a growth because of the crowded ecosystem. Over time, there are going to be a lot of AI regulations, data regulations, all of that on different platforms. But because they already have like the young demographic on the platform, if they're able to mix and continue with that balance of the journey of discovery with curated content, then they would ace it. 
because they would be able to offer that, you know, algorithmic content that's quite relevant to people, that algorithmic content that people want to enjoy, short clips from, you know, different shows, short clips from, you know, post events, um, engagement, etc. At the same time, you've got communication, you've got sharing really interesting, creative things, you've got brands on the platform that are authentic because they're seamlessly integrated in their actual personal ecosystem. So for the next five years, I, I, I'm seeing it as being, you remember Snap when it was 2011, 12, 13, 14, it's going to go back to that time, but with a, with a positioning that's even stronger as well, because it's anchored in behavioral factors and it was able to also provide that curated content over time, even when they were focusing on AR, focusing on being um, a messaging services, focusing on, you know, getting people from the emerging markets, they were still able to provide with, with spotlight and that curation. So going back to your first point, they were the first ones to invest in VR, AR, et cetera. So that's a big differentiation, merging that with the, 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 the hold that they have on Gen Z, but also people that are above 25, they're still there, potentially as weekly active users, monthly active users, some are daily active users, they're still there, understanding their behavior is going to get them to a great, great position because they already, over the past years, cultivated that. So I think everything they cultivated, you know, in the past, I don't know, uh, thir uh, 12, 13 years or so, is actually coming back now. Um, so in the past five years, we're only going to see it grow. Uh, we're going to obviously keep seeing the growth in, in emerging markets, but I think we're going to see it coming back and being more relevant in the UK, in France, in the US, in Italy, in Spain, in, in, in the five EU, but also across. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited for that change because, I mean, you know, you know me, friend. I always talk about big tech, entertainment, etc. But I think it's one of the first times where there is a platform that actually fits with the spirit of the time and is actually doing the right actions to to, to fit within the spirit of the future. Um, so I'm really excited to see where that's going to go. Um, the last question I have is, am I ever going to see my mom on Snapchat? <laughs> you know what? Actually, maybe yes. If your mom really enjoys lenses and wants to stay in touch with you in a very fun way, you know, if that makes her day, you know, to be fair, my grandma, the other day I told her to download Snapchat. It's really funny. I have to tell her, <laughs> I have to tell the Snapchat team. And now she started sending me like her with, with specific lenses. She put a broccoli face on her face the other day and said, hi, I miss you and send it to me. So I, I said that back to her and it was really cute because it bonded me with her on something really like cute. You know, she's, she lives a bit far, so like, she doesn't live in the UK, but yeah, I mean, you might see your mom friend on Snapchat at some point. Let me know when. <laughs> so the white, the white ghost is going to pop up on my mom's phone. Uh, oh my a... God. Yeah. The, I, the I ghost. Like that happens. Yeah, the the it's please let me know and we we can like we can have a a conversation about it and and get her on on the podcast as well. And we can connect her to your grandma as well. Yeah. Oh my god, they would be besties. I think. Yeah, it could be really fun. <laughs> and with that one, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. I want to thank again, um, Lea Karam of Behave for joining us today. Thank you, Lea. Thank you for having me, Fran. I want to thank the audience for tuning in and learning all about the audience of Snapchat. Till next time.
You've been listening to the Audiences Podcast, the podcast that helps you discover new audiences and learn how to develop your own. Me and the team would love to hear your feedback on the episode and on the podcast in general. Let us know which audiences we should explore next or anyone we should get on the show. Do reach out on our social media or email us at higheraudiencespodcast.com. As always, please rate, review and subscribe. Till next time.